Hello, my name is Tyler Chisholm, and welcome to a special episode of Collisions YYC Current and Critical, a focus episode where I sit down with local leaders to discuss the topics of the day. Good morning. Uh, it's a beautiful Friday morning in Calgary. We're getting excited because the She Innovates Conference is coming to Calgary next Tuesday, and we're squeezing in this podcast because we want to let people know about it. I'm chatting with Miss Jennifer Curry. How are you, Jennifer? I'm fantastic. How are you? I am really good. Thanks for coming back on. I'm going to be honest with the, with the audience here. Not that they need to know or want to know, but we recorded the other day and we had a technical failure and here we are back again. So it feels like I'm chatting with my old friend now because we've already gone through this. So I'm really excited. And we had a great episode and we chatted. Jennifer, you brought some really cool insights and perspectives, which I always love is what this show is all about, giving people different perspectives on things around women in innovation. And you know, I was super proud to walk away hearing that the She Innovates program is actually being piloted in Alberta. That we are the first market, a jurisdiction, a province, or just a place to be able to host such a great event. Can you maybe give us a little bit more and uh, give us the backstory? Oh, you bet. So um, about three years ago, I was asked to um, co-chair uh, the first public-private uh, interface uh, coalition with UN Women in New York City. 27 global companies, we came together. This, these were companies like Facebook, LinkedIn, NASDAQ, SAP, Virgin Airlines, big global organizations. And the purpose of that was to create programs that increased access to innovation for women and girls in the world. Not a small feat. So we came together. I was the co-chair of that group with another friend of mine at UN Women. And we developed about a series of seven or eight programs for these companies to pilot throughout the world in their organizations and regions. Uh, one of those was called She Innovates. And the purpose of She Innovates is to recognize and amplify the stories of women in our industries, government institutions, academic institutions that are making a difference in the world. The notion is if you can see it, you can be it. And we, uh, we launched that in New York City uh, two years ago where we had 100 global innovators, five of which were from Alberta. And after that, they asked if someone was interested in piloting a chapter of She Innovates somewhere in the world. Um, Given I had retired and I'd moved back to Calgary from the U.S., I uh, dug into my network here that is filled with incredible women in Calgary and in Alberta. And we formed an advisory group and we started up this chapter pilot. And it's the first official chapter pilot of this program for UN Women. So what we did is we called for nominations. We received over 120. We had some criteria uh, around who we wanted to recognize. And uh, we came down to a list of 70. Um, we, throughout the last two years, have been amplifying these 70 women and their stories. And not just entrepreneurs, but also what I call entrepreneurs who are inside organizations trying to navigate through bureaucracies and make a difference. So we have been amplifying their stories on our social media channels throughout the last two years. And as well, we hold three to four what we call meetups. And throughout the year, uh, the last two years, we come together as a group, as a network. We also invite the public and we help them with strategies on how to obtain more capital, 
how to write a business plan, how to network with each other to help each other with uh, grow their businesses or get new ideas for breaking down barriers to innovation. And it's just been phenomenal. Our key sponsor has been Transalto Utilities and my good friend, uh, Don DeLima, who's the Chief Sustainability and Transformation Officer at Transalta. But we've also had support from IBM, Suncor, the University of Calgary, and of course, Alberta Innovates. So what we're doing um, on September 15th is we are having our first premier virtual event uh, with InVentures. And we're having a half day of virtual sessions where we talk about a variety of topics uh, of interest to women entrepreneurs. And I'm so proud to say that uh, the first one is a keynote speaker with my good friend, Ariel Gross-Samuels, who is the head of global strategy for Facebook. And she'll no, be- no, no, no small player to have at the table. <laughs> no small player. And she's fantastic. She's the first. And then we have a topic on women in artificial intelligence sponsored by IBM. We have Dawn DeLima from Transelta talking with four of our she innovators at how they've pivoted their businesses through COVID times. We have another phenomenal session uh, from uh, sponsored by a group called the 51 and some of our she innovators who actually have started an investment fund just to invest in women-led I, businesses. I, follow the 51. I had Judy Fairburn on the show a while back oh. last year. Judy blew me away. It's like, she just blew me away. Like she, she walked, she just walks in with just a sense of there's something about that. The energy that she has in the experience and uh, she exposed me to the 51. I think it's fantastic what they're doing. You should look, if you haven't looked at it, go check it out. Yeah. Absolutely. She's one of our she innovators. Um, and we have another, the final session is really about that intrapreneur, you know, a group of mm -hmm. our she innovators talking about, so how do you navigate through and innovate and pivot inside large organizations and institutions? So we're really excited about the event. If you really want to join up, you come go to sheinnovatesalberta.com and sign up. It, uh, I, I so many things I want to touch on. I, the first thing you said was, and you said it when we chatted last, last, the earlier this week, and I didn't grab onto it. Access to innovation. When I hear the word innovation, you know, there's, there's maybe a, a, a naive belief I have that, well, innovation is uh, available to anyone. It's about your attitude. It's about how you approach it. But this concept of access to innovation, do you find in your experience, and you've had an extensive career, that as a woman, there is less access? Like that word access, I found real, I find really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it's interesting about what access means. Um, you know, in the undeveloped countries, uh, even though we all think that everybody in the world has cell phones and access to internet, over 30% of the people, largely women and children and young girls in undeveloped countries have no access to the internet. Um, so that's one. The other thing that's interesting is uh, when we say access, it also is about some, some, I think, of our old mental models about how we innovate. Um, I think we all know the story about when uh, seatbelts were invented. Uh, you may have never heard this. Um, the designers were all male. And when they were designing seatbelts for cars, they didn't take into account pregnant women. 
Uh, yes, oh. I, I, I haven't heard. Yes, I wasn't sure where you're going, but yes, I have heard that story, but not and, for a while. You know, I mean, simple things like that. And so, and, and then access to not just, uh, not just technology, but access into innovation networks. You know, how do we help women connect with each other? You know, whether it's uh, through micro financing or, um, or help to connect with each other to, you know, again, build business plans, um, network with financial institutions, understand how to solve complex problems. Um, so that's, that's part of access, all of that. I appreciate when you break it down. It's so easy to look at it through our lens or maybe our our North American lens, which is arguably a very privileged lens, even though we have our own challenges here in North America, especially. And also what you touched on about entrepreneurship. And you and I touched on this the other day a little bit about there was a period of time where some of these initiatives around, well, we need more women, so let's check some boxes versus no, we actually need more women, but we also need them to bring their perspectives and to bring and include them into the mix, not just meet a, meet a corporate checklist, if you will. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, you and I've talked about this before. I'm a massive fan of what I call the inclusive culture. Um, and what that is, is back in the 80s, uh, I'd say early to late 80s, early 90s, um, you know, we had this thing where we should be bringing in people of different ethnicity, uh, gender, LGBTQ community, and we'd bring them in and then let them just flourish. That was the hope. And the reason why that didn't happen is because we had the same old policies, practices, many of them what I would call systemic, in that, you know, it, it didn't take into account the whole person or, or organizations would say, um, you know, if we're recruiting or if we're developing people for the executive ladder, well, this person's going to be, you know, having babies. So, you know, we probably will take her off the list. So unless you change the culture to one of inclusive, an inclusive culture, I think diversity, which is the numbers and targets will fail. And I'm happy diversity to- versus inclusion. And then coming back to actually the true meaning of access, Absolutely. <laughs> which also which access and inclusion go pretty closely together. They do. And, and the concept of inclusion is really having people bring their whole selves to work every day. And Chris and I, I've talked to you about this before. You know, I grew up in the energy and mining industries and uh, most of my mentors were male. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, that culture doesn't work for men either. It, you know, <laughs> I, I could yeah. take 10 of my mentors and say, you know, they were all diverse. They were all different in their thinking styles, the way they solved problems, their communication styles. So I'm happy to report that I think over the last 10 years, maybe 20 years, you know, organizations have really got on to this notion of inclusivity. You know, so I don't call myself a feminist. I call myself an inclusionist. That's I like I like that term a lot, and it has that so many terms and so many labels that we use have so much baggage that's been that been trailing behind them for years. Versus also speaking to the stereotype male leader, I don't make any mistakes. I'm always right. Don't be humble. Be all powerful. Like that, That's a Hollywood version of reality. It's not real. It doesn't function. <laughs> and yeah, I think you and I joked offline, it doesn't really work that well either. <laughs> well, it doesn't work that well. And it doesn't work for men either. It, you know, I, <laughs> yeah. I, 
So, so I think this whole conversation we're having today, whether it's the Black Lives Matter movement, um, certainly in Canada, our Indigenous populations, other ethnicities uh, that uh, have been the backbone of some of our Canadian economy, frankly, um, this notion of inclusiveness and really understanding how to not just accommodate difference, but to leverage it requires listening, requires understanding, and and really requires us all to take a step back and look at our own biases um, in order to build a more inclusive society. Cognitive bias is real. And, you know, the, a true bias, you don't even realize you're doing it. Like, because it's, it's, you know, totally. you, you have a certain set of goggles on and you see. So from a driver, do you see, and, you know, maybe it's hard to, 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 pin, to pin it on any one thing. Is it, is it just this is a nothing more powerful than an idea whose time has come. Is it, we're under pressure now. You said the word entrepreneurship. Large organizations can't take their success for granted anymore either. The pressures globally, the pressures economically, we're playing on a world stage now. So being diverse feels almost like a requirement to even be able to interrelate with other cultures and different diversity around the world. Like, is this just a culmination of like, it's about frigging time or also, it feels like we're getting pushed, like there's no option anymore, which I think is great. <laughs> I think there's a combination of several things happening. And I, so I totally agree. I think one, uh, there's many in the world because of what we've seen, certainly over the recent last six months in the US and other places, um, the general population in our society is just saying enough. Like, I'm, I'm just tired of this. We have to get better at this. We want to be recognized as equal parties in our society. So absolutely, there's headwinds from just the general population. I think the second thing is, is that organizations are actually, to the point we talked about earlier, waking up to the fact that, wait a second, there's a business case for us to do this, not just for the people that buy our products, but also the more diverse opinions and the more diversity of thought and problem solving we have in the organization, the better it's going to be. Our products, our services. If there's an actual just the simple, the simple math of we're leaving value on the table by we not having these, these opinions being heard, right? Or missing miss opportunities. Absolutely are. And I would also say that, that, that finally, you know, senior C-suite and boards of directors are really waking up to this notion of, you know, what's our role in this? You know, how, how have we, you know, perhaps put up unintended barriers in the past to our in our culture that allows for this to grow and allows for every employee to be there, bring their whole selves to work every day. So, so I think that is also happening. And yes, there's regulatory bodies that are pushing that and governments, et cetera, to boards and to C-suites. But I think, you know, the more enlightened boards and C-suites are really waking up to this themselves and saying, wow, this is just good for business. Like an <laughs> back, back, yeah, if you just go back to the capitalist, is this going to make us more money in the long run? It, yeah, it's been proven that it will. It will. So I'm, I'm curious, uh, being that this is driven by the UN, and obviously that is a global purview, 
you know, you've had an extensive career where you've worked across North America and probably had a lot of interactions. I guess, yeah. where are we? Because if you think of other parts of the world, there's some places where this idea of inclusion is probably a lot further behind on the curve than I would like to think that we are on on the path in North, in North America. So any, any thoughts on that, just from your own perspective of like, because we need to do this. This is a global village concept. This isn't like, well, if we get it right in Canada, that's good. This has got to happen. This, this is happening everywhere around the world, but at a very different pace, I would imagine. It is. And, and I'd have to say that uh, Europe is probably ahead of North America in many ways okay. in this regard, only because, you know, the, the, the countries are so packed together and the cultures are so different from country to country. They've had to be dealing with this issue for probably longer, I would say, than we are. Okay. And uh, but North America is coming into its own. I would say you know South America is is probably a little bit of a lagger. Um, mm-hmm. I I can't even speak to what's happening in Russia and Belarus and some of those. <laughs> Those are gonna I, know, I know it's hard to ta- have this conversation without thinking about some of the quote unquote craziness that's going on in the world. It yeah. is. It is. But but one of the things I did want to talk about that, that I thought is a phenomena that's happening right now, certainly in North America, is we're starting to wake up to this notion of systemic bias. You know, so mm. we can all okay. talk about our own you know, unconscious biases and how to uh, wrestle with those and overcome those, etc. But what's also happening in our conversation, and, you know, I think personally, Black Lives Matter has really brought this to the forefront around some of the things in the U.S., is that systemically, how are we, what are we doing inside our policies and practices and way of operating inside our institutions that could very well be unintentionally biasing? Um, how the outcomes happen. And so I love that we're having that conversation now. You know, how are our laws being written? How are our discipline in the judicial system? How is that happening? Um, it's really been elevated. And, and I think that's the right conversation to have because until you get at those systemic biases, it is a barrier to inclusive environments anywhere. Hundred percent, and that, and to be gracious and to give respect to everyone who's on this journey, that's hard. That's the hard work. It like is. you know, you don't even realize we we are all packed full of biases, or call them biases, call them just beliefs <laughs> of things we've learned over the years, and we don't even realize we're. But we're all we all we all are running everything through a certain set of filters at all times. When you start going, hey, what filter do I have that's actually causing this? outcome that I didn't even maybe intend, but yet still happening. And if you do that at an organizational level, like that is, it's work that needs to be done, but it's not easy. So I just want to always be respectful for it. It is, it is a journey and it's hard work because it matters. Yeah, it, it is a journey. And so people think that they're just going to have a inclusion and diversity program and it's going to be all fine in the next year. It's not, you know, right. yeah. so mm-hmm. deep thinking and education has to go on, which is happening, which I think is great. Hey, it's exactly why we're having this conversation and why something like She Innovates is we're so fortunate to have it. She Innovates is based on the belief that there are quietly people, women, especially in the province of Alberta, quietly starting these businesses and con- and contributing to our economy and to our communities. And we're not even recognizing them. 
And, and if you look at what small business is in the province of Alberta, it is one of the backbones of our province. This is how this province was started. It continues to be the backbone. And the women that we are recognizing through this program are just making huge contributions to the province of Alberta. It has just been amazing to me um, that these folks have not been as recognized as they should have. So that's the whole point around this program for us. Well, if you can see it, you can be it. I love that. And the, the ability to lead by, like, you know, once you see something is possible in your mind, it's amazing what unfolds after that. When you see like, oh, uh, oh, that that's that's real. Then all of a sudden, I believe your brain starts to rewire around the fact that now all of a sudden it's a possible outcome. That's so huge. Does She Innovates, do you engage with younger younger women, girls? Do you in the school system, like does that go all the way up and down from an age uh, range perspective? We haven't yet. Now, okay. I, I would tell you, though, out of the 70, so I talked about the criteria for mm -hmm. women we wanted to recognize. So we were very, very thoughtful about the scope and the, and the scale around these women. So one of the criteria was we wanted women um, in different age groups so that we could also understand, you know, the young entrepreneurs. So mm -hmm. uh, probably about 30% of those 70 women are in the 25 to 35 age range. I kid you not. And they're all over Alberta. Um, so it's just been so enlightening to find these women, speak to them at our, our networking events that we've been having and understand, you know, what drove them. And honestly, it's sheer will and determination. And <laughs> Absolutely. Just get her, get her done. To, to quote a saying when I, that I learned when I moved to Alberta, like, just get her done. <laughs> get her done. And you know, and I think ageism is something that's overlooked as a form of discrimination as well. And I think that's also a factor like, oh, you're too young to have value or you're too young to, to have impact. And I think that's just another form of limitation that's not necessary. I agree. I absolutely agree. And some of these women have now, because of our networking, have also been able to connect with, you know, older, more, I don't say older, say more mature. More <laughs> different, mature. different stages of life. Let's just different say, let's call it that. Of life, um, that can help them and mentor them, right? And they've made those kinds of connections. So it's really been a phenomenal um journey for us in watching this. And, and what will happen next is that uh, we have to submit a report back to UN Women at the end of this year. And then they're going to take it from there about uh, what to do with all of our learnings and how to start these regional chapters actually throughout the world. Um, just as we have started, just a little stat, they have had over 100 inquiries throughout the world to start a chapter. And so the fact that Alberta, Alberta was chosen to help create that playbook does, I think, I think we should just take a moment and have a little bit of pride in that. I think that's a great, that's a great Alberta story as a province that I believe we need every good story we can get these days. And there's a lot of them. They're just not always getting told. I agree. I absolutely agree. And, and you have them on some of your podcasts. So congratulations <laughs> you. to you. That's, that was part of the whole mandate of getting out there and telling these stories and colliding people together with like, I didn't even know that was going on in Alberta, which I find that happens time and time again. There's just so many pockets of greatness that are not, the stories aren't getting told because we're so busy getting shit done. <laughs> totally. 
Absolutely. That's, that's and, very and, Canadian of us too. We're a bit too humble sometimes, but that's well, I mean. and, and that's the final thing I would say about these women. I cannot believe I'm just inspired by their humility. You know, they, they are just quietly doing this, no fanfare, no media. They're just quietly building these businesses and, and supporting the economies in their communities. It's unbelievable. Right, so and well, back to if you can see it, you can be it. They're so busy being it, and if she innovates is able to help people, other people see it, then that's a great synergistic in terms of you know I'm sure meeting one of your mandates to elevate these stories to a place that it, that you know next time next time you do it, you've got so many you've got so many applications you can't even decide. Like that's a success problem, right? And and the other the other thing about it to your point earlier about uh, the younger uh, generations coming uh, behind us, you know, for the young girls. Uh, and, and young women that are early, you know, whether they're in junior high, high school, early university, it's, it's really inspirational for them, gives them hope, right? Mm-hmm. And also gives them some men- mentors to potentially reach out to. Yeah, that's one piece of advice I would give anyone who's, you know, on their way up, whatever that means to them, reach out. People are so willing to help, it'll blow your mind. <laughs> Absolutely. And we've seen that during COVID, haven't we? Yes, 100%. I, it's just been amazing. So, Western Canada is one of the best, like, big small towns I've ever lived in. If you reach out to someone, the odds of them getting back to you, it's like 90%. Like, people are so open to help and willingness to give advice, share experiences, make an introduction. Like, don't be scared because it's it's, a, it's in your head. It's not real. They they are actually wanting to help <laughs> and on male, female, everything. I've found this such an inclusive city province, like just part of the country that way. Yeah. I grew up, I grew up back East and it was like that, but it was still a little bit more inside your circle where here you can step three, three layers outside your circle of, of who, you know, and it doesn't make a difference. You just expand your circle. And, and I'll tell you, you know, as I've been going through this journey, I've been, you know, uh, lovely, honored to meet other women doing similar things in Calgary, just, just in Calgary. Let's talk about that for a second. Do you know mm-hmm. there's over 80, 80 women's organizations in Calgary doing something? Oh, wow. That is impressive. I, I, and uh, uh, there's a group called, and friends of mine are founders of this, there's a group called Access Connect. And what they're doing is um, bringing together on a technology platform all of these organizations so we can support each other. 80, 80. And, you know, when some are doing STEM for girls, some are mm-hmm. doing, you know, they're all different mandates, but what a powerful network. Well, and you put all that together, that's some, that, that, that creates some impact. <laughs> totally. Absolutely. And, 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 right. connecting, and connecting them all together. Because again, nothing in life, nothing much happens in life without a relationship somewhere. And that ability to know someone who knows someone who's willing to help you. And, and that, to me, that's, inclu- that's, you know, that's inclusion in practice, not in, not in theory. You bet. So it, I, I am nothing but a proud Calgarian, Albertan, awesome. and Canadian um, as it relates to certainly this program and many other things we're doing, by the way, in Alberta. Yes, there's this is the one we're focusing on right now, but there is there is many many po- things to be excited about and optimistic about in Alberta. Who, uh, p- contrary to what the headlines would always make us want to believe, that is true. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, one last question: question. Someone who's been involved in in large organizations, enterprise level, uh, very traditionally, and I don't want to over stereotype male dominated industries that you've been in the resource sector. Any advice you would give? There's some C-suite 
executives here, men and women, and they're listening, any advice that you would give of like, hey guys, if your if your future is going to be different, you need to start making some changes now. What are some of the just the mindset shifts that you would you would just blanket across? Like these will help you get in the right direction, quote unquote. Yeah, I, I'd say a couple things. One is um, take a serious look at your at your processes, practices, and 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 policies inside your organizations, and really try and uncover what, if any, systemic biases are there. And I will tell you, I've done that in a few organizations I've worked with, and there are many, and and they're unintended, right? So that would be one. Two, I would say listen. Listen deeply, not wait to speak, but really listen deeply to what some of the challenges are um, in some of your diverse populations in your organizations and and engage them in how to overcome them. And three, um, really get rid of the model, (laughs) I would say, throw the model out that everybody in our organization has to be like this. Dot, 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 dot. (laughs) You know, um, I would say people bringing them full, their full selves to work every day, they have to do that in an authentic way. And authenticity, you can start like that yourself as a leader. Be authentic. Show them all sides of you, not just your corporate side. Hmm, That's interesting. Be human, essentially. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, as our world becomes more diversified that way, and we're constantly encountering different cultures, different beliefs, our organizations need to reflect that or it immediately falls out of sync, right? It just just immediately doesn't work. Absolutely. Like you will quickly become irrelevant. Like (laughs) you really will. I mean, if you're not, if you're not leveraging all the talents that are in your organization, you are missing dollars and cents. That's well, and, and, and at the pace of change that we live in now, that that will happen faster than it's ever happened, you know, before. Absolutely. I, pre- Absolutely. I, pre- I appreciate sometimes you need consequences to create action, so I'm okay with that. <laughs> Absolutely, you do, and there's uh, and that's changing too, you know. Yes. So, so I'm I'm really pleased with the pace of change that is happening. It's happening rapidly, and uh, I I really I really think we're having the right conversations in the world. Excellent. No, I'm, 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 I'm running into it more and more. And like anything you start, as you start looking for them and you start finding them, that's amazing how the brain works that way, right? When you, when you start looking for these types of conversations or different ways of thinking about things, they are absolutely out there. And, you know, with the world of technology, we all have, uh, hopefully more and more of us have access to them back to the access uh, point that we talked about earlier. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's changing. Thanks. Yes. Yes, it is changing, changing in the right direction. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and for coming back on after our technology breakdown we had last time. Um, Is there, if someone wants to get a hold of you, reach out, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, to go to She Innovates website to be able to sign up for the event on when, on Tuesday. Uh, If someone wants to reach out to you and connect, I'm I'm assuming you're, I'm I'm putting you on the spot. I'm assuming you're open to it, but what's the best way for someone to be able to reach out to you? Probably through LinkedIn. I okay. actually answer all of my uh, and all of my messages through LinkedIn, and that's probably the best way to do that. You know, so again, technology, technology making it easy and leveling the playing field. Everyone can connect everyone. <laughs> you bet, you bet, Tyler. Thank you so much for all the work you're doing. Like this is phenomenal, and I really am honored. And uh, and thanks for your patience for hanging in there with me to do this. Not, not a problem. I, one thing I love about COVID, it's given us all a lot of patience for technical issues, kids and dogs running through the background. It's all okay now because guess what? We're all human. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much, Tyler. 